Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 159. Tennis shoes on her feet and a man's gray woolen sweater as a dress was standing on the sidewalk ten feet away from him, staring at him with the somber gravity of a six-year-old. Her hair was black and straight and long. Her skin was as brown as the river. He grinned at her. She stared back at him defiantly. There was a squeal and a yowl from the waterfront, and the little brown cat shot away from a spilled garbage can pursued by a long-muzzled black dog. The cat scurried under a car. Hey, said Shadow to the little girl. You ever seen invisible powder before? She hesitated, then shook her head. Okay, said Shadow. Well, watch this. Shadow pulled out a quarter with his left hand, held it up, tilting it from one side to another, then appeared to toss it into his right hand, closing his hand hard on nothing, and putting the hand forward. Now, he said, I just take some invisible powder from my pocket, and he reached his left hand into his breast pocket, dropping the quarter into the pocket as he did so, and I sprinkle it on the hand with the coin, and he mimed sprinkling. And look, now the quarter's invisible too. He opened his right hand, and in astonishment, his empty left hand as well. The little girl just stared. Shadow shrugged and put his hands into and put his hands back in his pockets, loading a quarter in one hand, a folded up five dollar bill in the other. He was going to produce them from the air and then give the girl the five bucks. She looked like she needed it. Hey, he said, we've got an audience. The black dog and the little brown cat were watching him as well, flanking the girl, looking up at him intently. The dog's huge ears were pricked up, giving it a comically alert expression. A crane-like man with gold-rimmed spectacles was coming up the sidewalk toward them, peering from side to side as if he were looking for something. Shadow wondered if he was the dog's owner. What did you think? Shadow asked the dog, trying to put the little girl at her ease. Was that cool? The black dog licked its long snout, then it said in a deep, dry voice, I saw Harry Houdini once, and believe me, man, you are no Harry Houdini. And that's our page. And what a great way to end a page, anyhow. I didn't mention it on yesterday's episode because it didn't come up until this part of the research that I was doing, but there is a specific place in Cairo known as the Historic District, so when Shadow wondered idly if he was looking at the Mississippi or the Ohio, well, that part of the town is on the Ohio River. The population of Cairo is just about 2,800 people, and the population peaked nearly 100 years ago in 1920. Lack of jobs and local transportation have been credited with the town looking more and more like a ghost town. There's definitely a lot of images out there you can find of modern-day Cairo. Even since Neil wrote the book and traveled through this area, it's definitely got more and more depressing and more and more empty. As previously mentioned, there's a history of lynchings in the town, and despite the conclusions I made at the end of a previous discussion with uh, regards to the William James lynching, in the late 60s, there was a 19-year-old black man killed at the Cairo police station. His name was Robert Hunt, and he was found hanged in his cell. Police officers claimed that he killed himself, but the area already had a bit of a history of more recent racial discrimination, as well as the previously discussed racial discrimination and lynching. So many members of the black community did not believe the story. So due to already strained race relations, riots broke out in Cairo and was part of what was known as the Long Hot Summer of 1967. Riots took place in Buffalo, New York, Detroit, Michigan, Boston, Massachusetts, and more than 150 other cities throughout the nation. After the riots, the white community in Cairo formed a group known as the White Hats, essentially a deputized vigilante group of 600 that took it upon itself to maintain order in the town. In 1969, in response to the White Hats, a black coalition known as the Cairo United Front formed with the express goal of ending segregation in the town, as well as to advocate for the election of a black chief of police. The CUF boycotted all white-owned businesses who would rarely, if ever, hire black workers. 
Noted NAFRA and brain surgeon Ben Carson, acting in theory as the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, visited the town in 2017 after the federal government closed down two housing projects in the area, leaving more than 400 people homeless, proving that Ben Carson knows nothing about timing. Anyhow, I've gone pretty far off the page. Suffice it to say that living in the town, the the town itself is in a pretty heavy economic depression, and things have been looking bleak since the mid to late 70s or early 80s when a number of businesses also pulled out of Cairo when the trains stopped running. If we think of it this way, though, as fewer and fewer trains run through the area, the decline in old trade cities like Cairo that use trains or river ferries is mirrored in the decline of the old gods. Technological advancement can be particularly tough on small towns high Amazon, but it's also bad for old gods like Nancy and Wednesday. So this little girl mentioned on the page, is she homeless? She's wearing old tennis shoes and a man's sweater as a dress. I know it doesn't mean necessarily that she's homeless, I guess. I have to just ponder at it. Shadow's going to also turn a quarter into a $5 bill for her because it looks like she needs it, per Shadow's internal monologue. The black dog and brown cat previously mentioned are watching Shadow's magic trick with great interest, and I think this is where we can really get into Shadow's previous assertion that he does not have the right banter for stage magic. I think he does very well in this instance with the little girl, and he also does it pretty well in one or two more places with kids. Maybe he wouldn't be entertaining to adults, but I think he could have a career as a kid's magician. He's also a giant, giant man, so I don't know if that would also be part of not wanting to do it. Anyway, I'm, I'm deviating a bit, but we have uh, what is just my favorite part of the Cairo folk is that we now have a talking dog? Well, between the dog, the cat, the crane-like man, not to mention Cairo, and so here's some spoilers, we're going to be getting to the Egyptian pantheon of old gods in America. Harry Houdini was a Hungarian-born immigrant who moved to the United States with his family at the age of four. He's most noted as an illusionist and a stuntman, but he's also notable outside of his magician work. He's known as one who would expose fraudulent magicians as the president of the Society of American Magicians, and he also spent a good deal of his later life debunking psychics, mediums, and other supposed spiritualists that would try to bilk people of their money. So I think Houdini and Wednesday would probably not get along very well. And if we're talking about sequels or short stories, Houdini trying to debunk one of Wednesday's schemes only to discover that he was using real magic? Ooh... That'd be something to read, huh? Well, maybe someday. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com and on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.